welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is with Natalie Alexis Lee, or you might know her as Style Me Sunday on Instagram and social media. Uh, We had a great, honest chat. Uh, She talked a lot about her experience being a single mum, living with her ex for a long time before, you know, after they'd broken up and before they managed to kind of move out of the house going through lockdown together. So yeah, there's a lot in here. And she was super honest. and It was absolute joy to chat to her. Do check her out on Instagram as well. I follow her and I find her posts really informative. And she talks a lot about um, fashion and shopping, but also, you know, shame and uh, loving yourself. She has a book called Feeling Myself, in fact. Um, So she's a really positive person to follow on social media as well. Enjoy. I am joined by the brilliant Natalie Lee, author, content creator and podcaster. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. And how does that feel, me welcoming you to the divorce social? Oh, it feels good. (laughs) I... Do you mean the actual word? Yeah. How do you feel about the word divorce? Does that impact you in any way? I'm okay with it. I've, I've definitely come to terms with it. It's, you know, it's been a 
a process, but I definitely don't feel any sort of negative connotations towards that the word divorce anymore. Um, and that's something I had to rewire. In fact, I went on that process before making the decision to divorce. Um, so that that was I had to get over the kind of stigma and negativity that we have as a, as a society over the word divorce um, in order to get a divorce, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. That's really interesting as well that you say that you went through that before you even made the decision to get divorced. So what did that process look like for you? Was it internal? Yeah, it was a huge internal dialogue uh, happening. You know, I felt... I knew for a long time I wanted to separate and get a divorce uh, from my partner before I actually had the bravery to involve the other person in that decision. Um, and, uh, you know, for I grew up in a single parent family. My mum never got married and I really craved having my dad around or a significant male role model in my life. So I, I, I never wanted that for my children. I never wanted sing, a single parent family for my children. And, uh, you know, that was my own shit that I was carrying. That was, uh, a real big, massive block in terms of choosing happiness and choosing to get divorced. So there was a lot of, you know, rewiring having to go on in order to say actually this isn't working for me and it's okay it's not like before this is a very different situation from your childhood you know and your kids deserve to have a happy mum and you know happy parents and a healthy uh, model of a relationship so yeah, I think I think it it was the whole guilt thing, but that was that was my own internal baggage, a lot of it. And societies, you know, there's there's a very like, oh my God, broken down marriage or you know, the way we talk about divorce is quite negative, isn't it? So I had to I had to go through all that. Definitely. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that feeling of oh gosh I didn't want this for me and my life and my family what sort of pressure I know we've said it's societal and the way we talk about divorce but before you got divorced and obviously you know it was presumably a happy decision before you got divorced how did that pressure feel and manifest what what did you imagine divorced life and and single mother life would be oh good question I think one of the major stumbling blocks for me was financial considerations um you know whether we like it or not money gives us power and it enables us to be able to make choices and a lot of people are stuck in relationships purely because of financial reasons because they can't afford to not be in that relationship and that that's a very difficult position to be in because you do feel like you you haven't got any control and i definitely thought i don't know 
whether I can cope on my own financially. I don't know whether I'll be able to manage a mortgage or the rent or, and, and how am I going to cope with the children on a full-time basis on my own and not have any relief? So that was all the kind of thoughts that were going through my head. And uh, I had to kind of come at a place of peace with all of that um, and realize that actually the reality won't be as stark as I thought it was going to be. You know, my ex, thank God, is is a, is a great dad and he he wants to see them often, which is great. And, you know, we do co-parent really well much better than when we were together so that's good (laughs) that is good Mm. Um, and I think the financial worry is a big one isn't it and and again it's something we don't talk about when we talk about divorce we talk about the breakdown of the relationship but it's a big consideration going into a divorce so did you do anything practically like did you make a spreadsheet with how much you earn or or was there anything you did to kind of make that decision feel easier for you? Uh, well, I on the advice of friends, I sought legal advice. That was the first uh, thing. And going to seek legal advice made me made me face quite a lot of truths about how very little I knew about our financial situation. I, you know, finances do not interest me. Accounts, I, I just, they, they all jumble up in, on a page in, in front of my eyes. I just, just can't even get my head around them. I was very, very happy for my, for most of my relationship to allow my partner to take control of the day-to-day running of the household bills and the mortgage and everything like that. I had no idea how much he earned, how much, really, how much I earned. I had no idea how much an electricity bill was. I just didn't want to look at that kind of stuff. And that doesn't put you in a very good position when you want to separate. So um, I guess I had to do a little bit more looking at our finances before I divorced um, and assessing my situation. Most of all, how much do I earn? Can I actually afford to cover my bills? That was, that was, you know, (laughs) a really big realization for me. And, um, and I, and, you know, we did have to live together for, for quite a while. And a lot of people go through that. You know, you have to live in the same house whilst you're actually separated. We actually had to stay in the same bed because we didn't have a spare room. (laughs) But that's, yeah, but that's, um, that's the reality. That's the reality of many people. Some people live for years um, in the same house as, as somebody they're not actually in a in a proper you know not proper relationship because everyone's in a relationship of some sort but in a romantic relationship with I mean I just want to go back to finances for a minute but we're definitely going to go delve into the bed sharing scenario in a minute um but with so with the finances I think 
I'm a self-employed person and I own a business and I can definitely relate to like spreadsheets are not my bag. Like when I got someone to start doing the finances of my business, I was like, wow, this is amazing. You can lay everything out and I kind of understand it. Um, but I was the same, like my ex managed all the bills. I had no idea even what companies we were with. And I actually went into all of that and, and the separation without knowing any of that. So that was the kind of during our divorce, I learned all these things. But um, it, it's it's funny because we're not taught, I guess, to write down how much we earn and how much I, I actually read a it reminded me, I read a refinery uh, article recently, which said you should make a spreadsheet of how much you earn and 50% should go on essentials like mortgage and food and stuff. And then you've got um, your 30% fun money, they called it for spending and going out and then 20% saving. And I am 35. And that was a revelation to me. I was like, why was I never told this before? So I think there's so many people that are struggling with that financial situation. So investigating all those things of what's going on in your relationship before you separate is so useful. But how do you do it? How did you find out those things that you didn't know? Were you like an undercover journalist for a little bit of time? No, not really. No, I didn't do anything um, sneakily. I just just asked questions. I, you know, looked at my bank statements, looked at my business statements, had a look at my outgoings, had a look at our bills. Um, one of, one of the, you know, one of the issues was a lot of the bills were not in my name. And, you know, that's another issue. You can't even talk to people. Um, if, 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 you're not on the account. So it's just really practical things like that. Um, and yeah, just simply asking questions. That's that's the most important thing. Um, I personally am not a fan of doing anything sneakily or, or you know, those sort of under undercover investigations. Um, everyone has a right to have full, you know, awareness of their financial situation. So um I know obviously it can it can seem like a big massive change but I had a bit of time so it was you know it was all it wasn't done in one big conversation <laughs> you weren't like oi what <laughs> what broadband provider are we with show me all the bills right now I mean that is so true isn't it because I remember thinking how am I going to find out this information but a lot of the bills are coming through your door in an envelope yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can just yeah. open it and look at it so exactly. True. And you, I, I mean, we had a folder of old, old bills and everything. So it was just looking through that and stuff. But, um, you know, going back to we're not taught, you know, finances. And, and I think that's one of the real big, one of my really big issues is education is not set up for practical living. And I just want, you know, I want children to know about taxes. I want children to know about how you, how you budget. It's just this really simple things. I was never, never taught. And I just expected somebody else to deal with that shit for me. Um, and it didn't, it doesn't serve us well. It really doesn't. So yeah, just getting control. 
get get a little bit more control back is is what I would suggest. Yeah, a life skills GCSE would have been so useful <laughs> for like budgeting tax. Um, I mean, I doubt I would have got great marks in it, but still I would have learned something. Um, <laughs> so we've had a lot of people on the podcast talk about living with their ex, you know, after they'd separated for financial reasons. But I don't know if anyone's ever said that they had to share a bed. So how was that? How did you make that work? Did it work? How did it feel? You know what? It wasn't that much different to being married and in the same bed. He was on one side, I was on the other. It's quite a big bed. So we went to bed at separate times. It honestly didn't feel like a world away from what we'd been doing anyway. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't that problematic. Um, you know, neither of us were at that point in a place where we're like dating or, you know, wanting to go out with other people. So <laughs> luckily we didn't have to share the bed with anyone else. <laughs> like time slots or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be really awkward. Um, but no, it was it was okay. It, it just life just kind of carried on like it had been carrying on just with a different kind of knowledge. And so when finally you did separate and you didn't have to share a bed in a house anymore, how did that feel? Did it feel like freedom? Because I remember I was like, woo, I've got the whole house initially. And then I felt incredibly lonely. Ooh, good question. How, how did it yeah, feel for you? I, I think similar. There was definitely that... Um, elation there was the moment of elation that oh my god I've got full control of the remote um, <laughs> yes and I could watch housewives all day and not have somebody moan at me um and then there is I then felt incredibly scared I felt really scared I was like I now don't have you know, anyone else that can come between an intruder and me and my children. That was my main worry, actually. Um, I had a lot of sleepless nights listening to every crack and noise that happened in the middle of the night. And I had to really start to feel safe again in, in my house on my own with my children. Um, and I just took some some safety precautions that enabled me to feel safer, uh, like put up, you know, CCTV, not CCTV, but, you know, those motion detector things. Yeah, um, I've got them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and yeah, just to make myself feel that bit bit more secure in my own home. But I've, I've got over that now and I feel good and I feel safe and my environment feels really calm and peaceful and lovely and safe now in fact so safe that I don't ever want to leave it <laughs> I've got I've got that COVID hangover I think where I don't actually know if I want to step outside my, my of my house <laughs> that's the problem it's like you feel so safe you're like I'll just stay here forever because this is safe now yes <laughs> that's interesting you said about the safety do you think that was a symptom of other things of feeling unsafe now because you were on your own or do you think it, it was 
purely a like physical safety in the house and why do you think you felt that um let's unpack it a little bit yeah sorry it's a tough question but I think it's an interesting thing to come up I think it was a both I think it was a bit of both of what you're saying I think and also you know challenging my own pre conceptions um about kind of gender roles and feeling like I had you know a a man to protect me was was something that I had to dissolve and get over and uh you know I am a feminist and I speak about feminist issues all the time but until I got divorced I didn't realize how gendered the roles were in my house and you know I'd never moan the uh, mowed the lawn yeah mowed the lawn before I'd never put on a doorknob or put a blind up to be honest I mean he wasn't that great at that anyway but (laughs) (laughs) I still kind of let him deal with that um and so you know real not relearning but learning how to do all these things was challenging but also very empowering it was great. You know, once I learned how to, I remember putting a doorknob on my daughter's door and that sense of achievement afterwards was like, I felt like superwoman, you know, I really was like, oh my God, this is actually really easy. And I've done it, you know, <laughs> what a brilliant sort of, um, what a brilliant thing to show my children that I could just do anything. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I'd never mowed the lawn and I was so scared of doing it. Like I got someone to come round to be there whilst I did it. I don't know why <laughs> that was going to help, but I was like, just watch me while I do it in case I blow everything up. Um, and I did it and it was fine. I actually felt a lot like hoovering <laughs> without picking up gender roles, but like I had experience of hoovering before and I hadn't had experience of mowing the lawn. But um when I put on my first shelf, I remember I felt like Superwoman, like your doorknob moment. Yeah. But I then lent into it too far and I fought, and I tried to like put up a whole uh, Ikea like um, draw unit that was really oh, difficult God. on my own. I mean. Did you do that? You got to know your limitations. Okay, Sam. yeah, I did you it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I remember getting a, a bunk bed for my daughter from Ikea and this is not an advert for Ikea. <laughs> yeah, it's and, just easy, isn't and, it? Yeah, and I was like, there's absolutely no way I can do that. So I did, yeah, yeah I brought in some help for that. Yeah, no, that's clever because I, I felt so empowered by the shelf <laughs> and then I felt really like I don't need someone. I could do anything on my own. And then I had a real moment. I think I talked about it on the podcast at the time with this like draw unit and it was like a battle. And I was that's like, hilarious. I can't be defeated by this because then that means I do need someone, but I need to prove that I don't need anyone. I get that. I get that mentality for sure. You do. You go You go through a, a real big journey, don't you? Realising what, what you can do, what you can't do, what you actually want to do 
and what you don't want to do. But it's 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 like a it's like a whole self discovery. You you're really redefining yourself and learning about yourself again, aren't you? Yeah, and I I was going to say, did you do you remember any of those moments like me having an argument essentially and then crying at a draw unit? Do you remember having those weird, you know, like weird moments over like household objects to do with your divorce, or like? I think I had one about bread. We talk about bread a lot because a loaf of bread is quite big. So if you're on your own, it's very difficult to finish a loaf of bread. And so I think I cried because I couldn't finish a loaf of bread at one point. Or are you just a really together human being? (laughs) No, I know. I'm sure I have had those moments. Definitely. You know, there's certain things in my house that just will probably never ever get fixed you know there's certain things that I'm just like I don't even know where to start with that or who to call to fix that um and it does kind of get you down sometimes when you think it's all on me it's all on me there's no one else to take responsibility there's no one else to eat the rest of the other half of the loaf of bread there's you know it is hard sometimes divorce isn't all terrible and it's not all roses you know it's made up of lots of little moments of um elation self-discovery and brutal tears yes (laughs) so many brutal tears Um. (laughs) hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's the ad break. Would you like some divorce social merchandise? Oh, yeah. Give me a divorce social tote bag. Give me a divorce social sticker and mug. 
All right, then. All you have to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S, that's my name, and you will get access to be able to join up to our Patreon. That supports the admin costs of the podcast. It also means you have access to merchandise and a 90s-style chat room where we talk about divorce and heartbreak and overcoming it and being fierce, amazing humans. Don't forget to leave a review of the podcast as well and hit subscribe on all your podcast platforms. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we're on Instagram and Twitter at DivorcePod and I'm at Samantha Baines. Enjoy this advert because it makes me 2p every time you listen. 2p isn't maybe the real amount. I've made that up as an approximation, but thank you anyway. So you said um, at the beginning that you had these kind of ideas that you then had to dissolve within you of like what being a single mom and a and a divorced person would look like. Do you remember any moments of being a single mom and a single person that kind of were life affirming or learning points during that divorce period? Other than the doorknob situation. Other than the doorknob, <laughs> which is a big one, it I have is. to say. Um, you know, going back to finances, it was the kind of realization that I was able to cope on my own with my finances. And um, I feel so much more in control now because I know everything that's going in and out. That's a really big mo. That's a really big thing for me. I've, my whole adult life, I've never had any control over that or any sort of insight into it. So I think that is it it really impacts your self-esteem when you are when you feel like you can actually live on your own as an adult. <laughs> um so yeah, but you know, it's still le- I'm still learning every day, every single day just trying to understand myself more, just trying to sort of dig deeper and um uncover patterns I had a lot of I had a lot of therapy after my divorce and that was really helpful in terms of sort of looking at my side of things and not just blaming the other person all the time you know there's it's it relationships are 50 50 and it's so easy to deflect blame and attention away from us but actually the most mind-blowing transformational thing I could do was accept accountability and take ownership of my own shit and what I brought to the relationship and how I came and perpetuated old patterns and trauma that I had. Definitely and that's a process right because I remember being at the beginning of my divorce journey and people talking about taking accountability and me being like but I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. I'm I'm great. I was incredible to live with, you know. It's just all them or like it's all the combination of us. It's nothing to do with me. And I think it's taken me like a good few years of therapy and perspective to actually be like Okay, looking back at married Sam, married Sam, you know, did some things that uh, Sam now wouldn't do. And I can see why that might have impacted a relationship or might have impacted a living arrangement or how 
I think therapy is so important. And, and we talk a lot about it on this podcast, which I like. But how did you start your kind of mental health journey, I guess, through that divorce? Did it start, you know, did you straight away find a therapist? Did you have one already? Did you, you know, do some people like throw themselves into sports or have sexual explosions like I did? What was your first step to looking after yourself? Uh, my first step is always to go into my shell. I uh, I very much shut down I would say uh I shut out a lot of the noise and I go it sounds so corny to say go within but that's what I do <laughs> I go within I you know journal stuff out I just process stuff just you know just think yeah, just analyze my thoughts, just stay with my thoughts, be with my thoughts. Sometimes it's so easy to like continue to be so busy and like go out and have loads of sex and do all the fun things. But actually, are you dealing with the shit that's actually going on internally or are you deflecting and running away? I did a lot of that towards the end of my marriage. So I felt like I really needed to focus on myself and um, silence all the other noise for a bit. I nearly said to you, no, Nat, I was not focusing on myself. I was deflecting when you said that 100%. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to do. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Like at different points in our lives, we need different things. And it's about not being so hard on yourself for what you did to cope with situations you know towards the end of my marriage I was out all of the time because it was easier for me to to do that it was my coping mechanism but at some point you've got to come back to land and you know have a bit of a crash and and if that means you know going under the duvet for a week and and doing that then that's what you need to do we have to stop being so hard on ourselves about what we do to survive and to cope and to um manage very difficult situations definitely and and just practically how did you make that work because obviously taking time to yourself takes time and you've also got a job and kids so how do you work that into your day or did you take a week off and go under your duvet uh no it was just about like not going out not going out and getting drunk and um I you know I still had to run a household I still have children I still had to do my job but other than that I had to stop yeah just going out all the time and running away and actually just you know be at home in the evening and uh, alone with my thoughts if the kids are in bed. Yeah, not filling the diary because I think yeah. that's the temptation of like, I'm on my own. Okay, what am I going to do? Who am I going to see this day? What's going to happen? Yeah, I think one, and now you've just kind of reminded me, 
I really struggled when my children were with their dad to be on my own own in my house. And again, as you say, not fill my diary with, oh my God, right. Okay. I'm going to be alone on Monday night. What am I going to do with myself? No, you can just actually sit on your sofa, you know, read a book, watch telly. That at first feels extremely lonely and very confronting when you haven't, you know, I was in my relationship for 24 years when you have never been on your own as an adult to suddenly have the realization that you're going to be in your house on your own for a whole evening and some, you know, your friends aren't necessarily going to know. Your phone might not ring. You you might not get any text messages at all. Facing that loneliness is difficult. It's really hard. Yeah, I've definitely felt that. It's it's funny now looking back because now I'll sit at home of an evening and I'm in a new relationship now, but I'll sit at home of an evening on my own and watch TV and be like, oh, joy. But I remember back Ooh. then I'd be sitting watching TV like, oh, this is only 7 p.m. <laughs> How long have I got until I could go to bed? And like, you know, working out a schedule because it felt so awful. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, something there's something in our society about loneliness, about not admitting we're lonely, about it feeling really sad. And, you know, you kind of look on people who are alone with pity and, you know, actually it's a really, it's a really beautiful thing. And confronting that, facing up to it, owning that loneliness is not so terrible. It really isn't. Um, And it does, it does help with the whole process of things. Um, I think what I'm trying to say is don't shy away from those difficult feelings that come up. And um, you're not you're not sad or broken or, you know, a terrible human being if you do feel lonely sometimes. It's okay. Yeah, and we all feel it, right? And actually, I think one of my biggest learning points from, I think, my whole divorce thing has been learning to love being on my own. And I think that's going to stay with me forever you know, into new relationships, into new breakups, into new work scenarios, you know, all of it. And I definitely never had that before my marriage. Exactly. I mean, learning to be alone is one of the most beautiful gifts you can give yourself. It's um, it's where you get to listen to your wants and needs. Throughout my whole relationship, one of my problems was not being able to identify what I needed and therefore not being able to communicate what I needed to my partner or to anyone. And therefore, I was basically this big ball of resentment that ran around thinking, why the fuck is no one listening to me? Why is no one, you know, fulfilling my cup? And obviously they weren't fulfilling it because they didn't fucking know. They didn't know. They're not psychic. So it's very important that I've learned what my needs are and how to communicate those. And I'm so good at that now. I'm also really good. that That's also part of boundaries and, and what, you know, 
what makes you feel good and safe in a relationship? Communication is, yeah, I'm sure you talk about that all the time, but it is just the most underrated and the most bloody wonderful thing in the world. Being able to communicate clearly, concisely is is a skill that I am developing with gusto and I'm bloody loving it. Everyone else might not be, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's still something I'm working on because I'm a talker. I love talking, so my communication goes on for a while. <laughs> well, that's the only, that's the other issue because then people don't hear you if you talk too many words. But um, sorry, there's a noise that keeps popping up. Guess what? That's my ex texting me. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I'm a communicator, so. Uh, I don't know where I've lost that along the way in my in my relationship, but uh, c- communication was the breakdown of communication is well was for me the beginning of the end. Yeah, communicating is important. I need to learn to be more concise, um, <laughs> and I think I said that quite concisely. You so did. There we go. I'm learning. <laughs> um, so, so you were in your marriage, you said, for 24 years. How, you know, you've you've come out of it, you've dissolved all those opinions you had of what being a single mum or what that might have meant. You're living it, you're learning to communicate, you're working on yourself. How then does dating feel? Have you have you dated? I was in my relationship for 24 years, not actually married for that long. Just, just gonna, just gonna get that out there. <laughs> uh, dating. Now, I've had a troubled relationship with dating. I would say, I kind of dip my toe in and then quickly get out again. I have tried dating apps, haven't actually successfully managed to meet anyone from a dating app. I have, I've kind of realized that dating, I'm not, I, I don't particularly like dating. It, I, I'm one of those people that really hates small talk. So it feels like a really boring, brutal process for me. So I haven't really done any dating per se. I've had connections with people, but they've been people... I've known from other sort of in other sort of areas. I haven't actually dated people I don't know properly yet. So it's still a bit of a tricky topic for me. And I think one of the other things I've realized is that I'm probably demisexual. Um, Do you know what that means? Well, I came out as bisexual after my uh, divorce. But for me... Also bisexual. Yeah, so for me, that means all genders. But I know bi is meant to be the binary. But, you know, it, it's more of a pansexual, but I don't I don't feel a connection to that word. So is, is that similar for you? That's not what demisexual is. Oh. But um, pansexual, I also identify as pansexual or bisexual. Bisexual isn't necessarily just the binary genders. That's how we've kind of interpreted yeah. it. But, yeah. Bisexual is the umbrella term, and then under that, there's lots of different ones. But demisexual is that you uh, 
it's about trust and you know and relationships and I don't feel able to have like casual relationships with people I need to I'm attracted to people once I've got to know them really well and so um yeah I'm just I'm just learning about it and I and I'm kind of learning that that's me I don't like I don't like one night stands and I don't like casual sex. I I really have to develop a lot of trust and safety before I'm able to have that kind of sexual experience with somebody. And that's a whole big learning process too. That's so interesting because I guess I'm on the other spectrum of like, yeah, fully up for all the sex, but I have to get to know someone really well before I like talk about my feelings and open up. Mm, I so it's almost like sex is my entry point. Oh no, that's definitely definitely very different from me. Yeah, we're like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's and that's and that's what's uh, you know useful, isn't it? It's about learning what works for you. Everyone's different. And, you know, sometimes the advice of our friends won't necessarily work from us for us. You know, I did get the advice. You should just get out there and just have loads of sex. And anytime I thought about that, I was like, oh, God, that really just doesn't feel good to me. Just maybe I should do it. Maybe. But then it just didn't sit right with me. And you've got to you've got to focus on what feels like it's aligned with you haven't you yeah and there's always this thing isn't there of you know when you're dating and your friends are dating or your friend is in a new relationship and they're like well I didn't sleep with my partner until seven months in and so you should try that or they're like well I slept with my partner on the first date and it was fine and then you're like trying to judge how your relationship is going to go based on sex which just doesn't work <laughs> exactly yeah, I mean, for me, that's that's much later down in the line of things. So, so how were you introduced to the term demisexual? How did you discover that this was a thing? You weren't on your own. Lots of people feel this through Instagram. Actually, I learned so much through Instagram. There's so you know, I know it has a lot of negatives, but um, I I I'm educated all the time on social media and I love it and I think you know just having a term that I identified with was actually really quite comforting to me because at some sometimes you do feel like what's wrong with me you know why can't I do that everyone else is doing it but you know we and we compare ourselves to other people so much so yeah it's it's just interesting learning learning about these different kind of ways of being and identifying with other people knowing you're not alone yeah I think that for me has been one of the big things of this podcast but also what's so great about the online and social media even though there are negatives but you can still find a group of people that understand you you know I'm deaf and I wear a hearing aid and I I was told I needed my hearing aid at like 29 and I felt like there was no one like me my age who was going through that experience and then through the internet I managed to find all these people so yeah I do mm. think there are lovely things that we can focus on aren't there about Instagram and, and stuff like that as well oh absolutely absolutely so 
how looking back now on your kind of long relationship, not marriage, but long <laughs> 24 year relationship and then marriage, divorce and like how far you've come now. How do you look back and see that person who was in that marriage worrying about, you know, breaking up and being a single mum? Do you look on her with kind eyes? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, I think self-forgiveness is one of the most difficult things that, you know, we struggle with. Um, But once we do sort of have an understanding of why, you know, the motivation for doing things, we can work towards self-forgiveness. And I, I have a lot of a lot of understanding now um, about my motivations. And I do feel, I feel kind of sad for her. I feel like she felt like she was trapped and I, and mainly trapped in her own, her own thoughts and her own shit. But um, I have a lot of compassion for her and I think she's, she's done really well. Yes, she has. And I'm really proud of her. Most of all, you know, I'm really proud of the process she went through. I could say that it took a very long time to get here, but actually everything just happened the way it should happen. And in in the right amount of time, I don't think it could have been any quicker. Someone said to me, actually, because I was always like really concerned with like oh is this meant to be are we meant to be together and I'm meant to be on my own and someone said to me it's meant to be because it happened yeah that's why it's meant to be exactly it's not something you're reaching for um is there anything you'd say to that person that you're looking old you that you're looking back on with kind eyes or anyone else in that who feels like they're in that place now I think I would probably say to myself that I'm proud of you and you are, you're doing the best that you can right now. And I think to everyone else who feels like they are trapped or that their head is just barely above water, give yourself some grace. Know that you're doing what you can. And at some point you will have enough energy or enough strength to do what you have to do but right now you're where you need to be I love that that's Mm. great advice um (laughs) and and for you how's you you seem happy now how's the future looking you you're podcasting you got the book yeah I've got a lot going on I'm doing filming as well for a new tv show at the moment um so that's that's interesting there's loads of things loads of things on the horizon I'm excited about my future um so I feel good I I also have absolutely no fucking idea what it looks like and I'm okay (laughs) with that too yeah (laughs) you know um I've got some control but I've also got very little control and that's okay I like that because <laughs> yeah we because we talk a lot about you know sometimes when you're in that relationship it's like the future is all mapped out and you know exactly what's going to happen and and there is a joy in like oh I wonder what will happen next Tuesday I've no idea <laughs> we'll see yeah. <laughs> exactly no but I do I feel a lot a lot more content now a lot calmer um there's there's not as much tension in my home or in my body anymore. And that feels good. 
That sounds good. Um, so it's been a joy to talk to you. Please, can you tell us about your podcast, where we can listen, and your book, and where we can buy it? Yes, I have a book called Feeling Myself, and that's out now. And I think it's available most places. It's also an audio book as well. Uh, you can find me at Style Me Sunday on Instagram. And my podcast is called Feeling Yourself, where I hand the mic over to people and ask them about, you know, what makes them feel themselves. So, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. And I'd love you to find me and engage and and yeah let's chat yeah and I follow you on Instagram and I love it so get involved (laughs) thanks Sam hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.